This is the Defenders podcast on TV podcast industries, and we're talking about One Division episode five on a very special episode. None of it is real. Please, please help me. What day is it? How long has it been? Where's my phone? I have to call my sister. No. He's taking care of our dad. He's sick. Where's my phone? Calm yourself, Norm. I can't understand what you're trying to tell me. You have to stop her. Stop who? She's in my head. None of it is my own. It hurts. It hurts so much. Just make her stop. Just make her stop! Uh, now tell me this. If I send an email, where would I put the stamp? Welcome back, fellow Defenders. This is TV Podcast Industries and the Defenders Podcast. And we're talking about One Division Episode 5 on a very special episode. I am John, one of your hosts, with my spuns of steel. <laughs> I'm Derek, one of your other hosts. <laughs> and I'm Chris with my lunges. And, you know, I just need a bottle, a little tipple of something mm-hmm. while I'm winding the kids. It's not for them, it's for me. Instantly, when I watched that episode, I went, oh, Whiskey Watch is back. But they never showed <laughs> any bottle or anything that we could look at the label at. So I thought it was like it was like Jessica Jones, where we used to call out what type of whiskey she was drinking every week. <laughs> but no, it's just dark liquor in this show. Yes. Well, I thought they were also giving new ideas for home workouts in lockdown. Absolutely, yeah. Lunges with rocking two cots. It must work some multiple muscle group that I don't know about. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> we are obviously going to be going into a spoiler-filled discussion about episode five, so we're not going to talk about any spoilers now before uh, we get into it, to give you a chance to go ahead and watch the episode, because watch this episode. It hasn't been spoiled for you already. What happens in it, it's pretty massive as an episode, isn't it? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's not like it's the, the biggest episode of the season. Chris, you know you're supposed to have watched the episode before we podcast, right? <gasps> Hold on. Okay, just go pause then. <laughs> and we're back. Chris has now watched the episode of One Division that he was supposed to have watched before we started recording. That <laughs> was Mahoosive. fellow defenders. Yes. Oh my God, it's the biggest thing ever. Um, let's jump dive straight into the intro of this. Gentlemen, before we even dive into what we thought about it and the episode details, let's let our fellow industrialists know that they can pop over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com to leave us some feedback, i.e. a voicemail, or email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com and let us know what they thought of this episode. They can also head to our website and subscribe to our podcast feed or they can just use any Wiccan or Android loving podcast player of their choice to subscribe there as well. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and pretty much if it's on the web we're there. We're like a really good podcast base std we're like, like ultron we're like ultron chris let's uh, yeah let's, let's keep, say let's ultron family orientation yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're doing pretty well with the podcast everybody seems to be talking about the show this is like star wars the mandalorian coming out nobody's going to the cinema at the moment this is a brand new piece of content every week in the mcu everybody's talking about it 
Lots of podcasts out there about it. We want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners uh, for listening to us and choosing us as your podcast of choice for WandaVision. Uh, we did break the top 100 uh, in the Woo-hoo-hoo! in the UK, um, which is pretty good. You know, we did get into the top 25 with the boys, but I don't think as many podcasts or YouTube uh, channels were covering uh the boys at the time when we were so i think it's a pretty big achievement to get to the yeah top there is a lot of podcasts covering mm-hmm. one division at the moment and they're uh, great yeah they're, they're all doing it very differently everybody's talking about it very differently but uh but we like to talk about it with our top five uh kind of points about the episode two about the style really of the show uh one about the adverse and then two about the overarching concept that's going on the overarching mcu and mcu-ness of the episode yes let us get into our spoiler filled review with that kickoff from derek what are some of the episode details well the episode was written by peter cameron and by Mackenzie door uh, peter cameron was a story editor and writer on carnival row for amazon um, oh no well uh that did get a second season i think um so that's not a bad uh, it's more about the show and um yeah Maybe he's been saved from Amazon Prime by, um, exactly. by I think so. uh, WandaVision. <laughs> Mackenzie Dorr uh, was, was a writer on Lock and Key. Uh, he did episode four of the show right in the middle of that show, which is the, kind of the turning point uh, of that series. I think Lock and Key season one was really good. Been like the turning for, of the key. Yeah, basically. Uh, this show was confirmed for a second and third season. Um, so very, very successful uh, over on Netflix. So, what? Yeah, so really excited to see the other two seasons of that show. That first season was really good. I have to, I've read the comic book. I haven't never seen the show oh it came out last year uh, chris uh good, a yeah, good old yeah, binge. it's about, about eight episodes long i think we watched the first two episodes uh week to week trying to be good because we were follow- i was following along with a podcast that was covering it strange indeed and then i watched the whole thing uh in a weekend so, okay. <laughs> so there you go so really good really that, that, good uh well yeah okay that's on the list um once again the episode was directed by matt shackman who's directed all the episodes so far this season john do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this 80s set episode Sure. With perms like warmers and proto-internet new to their lives, Wanda and Vision begin their 80s journey. As the twins Tommy and Billy grow up fast, the ever-neighbourly Agnes witnesses many strange new goings-on in the Maximoff household. Outside the energy field, Agent Rambo, Darcy and Agent Wu begin to tackle the mystery of the Maximoff anomaly, or Hex, but are at odds with director Haywood and Sword, who have classed Wanda as a terrorist. Realising that Wanda is altering the existing reality, Monica, Darcy and Jimmy begin to probe the force field with technology contemporary to the 1980s sitcom. (laughs) At work, an email from S.W.O.R.D. to Computational Systems Incorporated allows Vision to connect to the real Norm and realises the extent of Norm's pain and Wanda's control in Westview. Elsewhere, Wanda confronts Haywood and Monica outside of the protective energy field after they send in an armed 80s drone, and she gives them one final warning to stay away and leave her home alone. Back at the family home, Vision confronts Wanda about her actions and pleads with her to be honest with him, but then the doorbell rings. A surprised Wanda answers the door to find an unexpected visitor, her dead Fox franchise brother, Pietro. <laughs> <laughs> Foxed franchised brother Pietro. Nice. They recast Pietro. <laughs> I really, really liked that reveal. Um, 
We will talk, obviously, in full detail about this uh, as we go through all of our points uh, throughout this episode. But one of the things uh, we've talked about before on our notes, we normally put together a list of the cast with photographs so that we can uh, easily access who the actors are that are playing each role in the show. And I just wanted to point out, because I know our listeners don't get to see that doc, but when I put it together... Two months ago, when I was putting together all the docs for the episodes of the show, I took the cast list from Google and they already had Evan Peters as the second person listed in the show after Elizabeth Olsen. Like the show is Wanda Vision and Paul <laughs> Bettany was third listed, Evan Peter- Peters second listed. I don't know how easy or how many people knew this was coming to the show, but uh, but it was definitely already up on Google at the time <laughs> that I put together these these images. So it wasn't a massive surprise that he was here. I'm kind of shocked. I thought it was a little bit of a one of those things that kind of falls through like Wikipedia or IMDb have uh, people manually editing the cast lists for shows. I just thought it was a bit of a surprise that that Google had it up that early as this big reveal. Similar to you, yeah, we, we've had this in the docs. I heard some of the rumors and I thought it was that. I thought it was like because they had announced that she will be in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. they people just assumed and made an assumption that their multiverse, oh, okay, well, there's been another one of her brothers. Oh, okay, you and she has her own show. Oh, okay. Well, that means therefore she's going, this is what's, it was just, I assumed, on to on to on to on to on to on. Mm-hmm. No, it happened. I <laughs> know. Matt, Matt. If they could keep the massive spoiler for, or the massive special thing at the end of Mandalorian season two mm-hmm. quiet. I don't understand how they couldn't keep this one. Like, Mickey Mouse's police um, are very good at what they do. Marvel's police are are usually, you know, uh, with shotguns across the road, making sure that people keep their uh, keep all of this stuff silent. So, I don't yeah. know, maybe it is I a guess... secret. I think it was a big surprise for a lot of people, judging by our feedback and judging by everything here, that this happened in the show. I guess, Even though the spoiler was out there, I think people are still surprised that it actually happened. I, I guess kind of Tom Holland lets it slip. Probably, probably. <laughs> but let's start where we usually start. Let's talk about the reference in here, the reference sitcom. We're getting a bit closer to your time watching TV, Chris. I know as we get into the 80s TV Yay. shows. Did you catch the big reference or what this mostly was based on? There's loads of little things that this takes from. Most of this show... I think is taken from Family Ties, Michael J. Fox's starring vehicle from the 80s, the, the TV show that he was working on when he went off to break his career in Back to the Future. Uh, it was called Family Ties. Um, a couple of little references that I, that I caught definitely. Um, the opening title scene where we have the portrait of the family being painted by a magic one, a magic uh, paint brush, uh, being controlled by, uh, by Wanda. Uh, that is exactly the same as the opening, uh, titles for Family Ties starring Michael J. Fox. Um, the set itself is almost exactly the same as the as the family uh, main living room and kitchen from that show that's where most of the show took place and also they were one of the first sitcoms almost every sitcom did this in the 80s but they were one of the first sitcoms that used this uh, mechanism of a very special episode to talk about uh, very important topics so i think family ties had a famous episode where they had a, the drunken uncle um who was played by tom hanks uh, as a way of dealing with uh, alcoholism in families. So this, on a very special episode, was generally <laughs> a way that they talked to their viewers about uh, about really different topics through exit comps. Dare I say, it should have been called on a very especial uh, episode in reference to especial tequila. Oh, well, maybe. And rum. <laughs> Sorry, 
I don't know whether that joke landed. I'm not sure whether it did or not. I think, I think maybe if you'd gone for the whiskey joke, so you could tie it in with Agnes drinking what? the whiskey, maybe. <laughs> I, I thought she was drinking rum, to be honest. The question I have, I thought it was slightly also kind of a Full House reference, or is that more 90? Uh, Full House did start in 87, and I know that we're waiting for it, really, with Elizabeth Olsen being in the show and the and the Olsen twins being uh, getting their start in Full House. We're absolutely waiting for Elizabeth Olsen to fall into uh, a scene that looks exactly like Full House. And I know that the set that's used in Full House is quite similar to this as well. It's definitely that, yeah. that the way that sitcoms usually work is you have this central set, like the sitting room that they have here, and then a stairs to get your actors upstairs to get them off the set while they while the scene tra- goes on then you have a door out of the room so they can go to the kitchen so they so that's that's ways of getting your actors moving around the set so it's not just this simple space like we had in episode one of the show where there was no upstairs remember uh, at the start yeah. of the series it was all just one room and they had the door to the kitchen um but this is even more layers being added to it as as we get into the 80s now. yeah so, literally it, layers of a house yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of weird though but i feel i have fewer references to these sitcoms of the 80s than I did to the the 70s and 60s ones. And I guess it's because... You're old and you stopped watching TV in the 80s? (laughs) Well, no, because as an 80s child, um, I I guess that was so contemporary that you didn't get that on TV at the time in the 80s. Like, because... It was American TV. There was also lots and lots of British sitcoms as well. Yeah, uh, exactly. At the time. So yeah, we would have watched a lot more of those. But I can definitely see those references to to uh, families highs in there. Also, Growing Pains had uh, had the pictures of the characters as babies uh, in the opening titles. So that's what we saw. The opening titles here loved the young photographs of Elizabeth Olsen. Loved even more the baby photograph of Vision. Yes, and the, yes, uh, Vision yeah, with a beret yeah, on cool. at school. Was it a beret or a wig? Someone pointed that out to me that I said it was a beret. Was no, he was, wearing a wig? It was Eurovision. <laughs> oh, that's also a good. That's a good meme from the internet. But I'm talking about the episode itself, John. Is that? Uh, it, it was that a beret that he was wearing or a wig? I saw. I saw a beret. Beret. Okay, yeah. grand, grand. But I, I do like that they had those younger photographs of all the characters that was taken from uh, from Growing Pains uh, another 80s sitcom as well so and finally the last one I had it in my notes to, to talk about but might as well talk about it here but the last one every episode of uh, Family Ties ended with the production company's credit uh, a company called Ubu and that credit always had sit Ubu sit good dog as the line that was that closed every episode of the sitcom and we see young Tommy with their dog Sparky as he pets him saying sit Sparky sit good dog so definitely another reference to it to family ties in there I love that I love that they are so detail orientated on this show uh for their references to sitcoms yeah no I um I completely agree like I'm absolutely enthused now again and this is dating me it was more the early 90s was when i kind of was allowed to see some more of these types of shows mm-hmm. um because by the time they they had made as you guys said by the time they made to the uk and ireland they were already probably a year two year old on global syndication right so uh yeah no i the again these ones i don't have the full touchstone <laughs> for but that being said enough has been kind of reamed off them and enough they've they've evolved over the years so well that you do get to see as you said those it's not even they're not even easter eggs they're they're homage yeah they're 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 really just a a beautiful kind of reference to a time and a, a style of 
both TV, of uh, writing, mm-hmm. of direction, of art, of, well, when I say art, cinematography, they, they, they went all in. And I, I, that's since episode one, where it was like filmed in front of a live studio audience. Yeah. Like the whole lot for me is just this, they, they, they really committed. Mm-hmm. After last episode, I thought they'd slip more and more and more. And they didn't. Mm-hmm. That was the, the, the really, the, the the bravo moment in my head, but I say the applause, if you will. Right, right. And, and, you know, one of the things we also have to kind of call out as well is that these are, I think we started thinking that it was sitcoms from the 50s all the way through. What it actually is is family sitcoms. Um, yes. One of the, the reasons why I say that is because we have a character called Norm in this show, and they didn't take the opportunity to have Vision go to a bar with Norm and everybody shout Norm to him, like in Cheers, which was basically the biggest sitcom of the 80s. <laughs> so they don't, they're not taking reference from every sitcom. It's definitely family based sitcoms that they're taking reference from. Yeah. Um, I think we mentioned the theory before that we have, uh, that, well, at least that I have about why it's sitcoms. Um, my theory was that it may be when Wanda and Pietro were growing up in Sokovia, they were getting uh, TV from the US. So they were watching it. So she has this reference point of America through sitcoms and that's why she's projecting projecting this in the city any other theories as to why it's sitcoms that they're going through throughout these decades i guess i mean that's probably part of it but i think as well certainly this episode you really get the idea about family Mm -hmm. like she's wanting to create a family um at least with with vision they've now got the children and there's a lot of talk about family um here and i i think it fits in that she's wanting this ideal life that the sitcom the family sitcom represents which ultimately i guess was slightly um sort of undercut with roseanne which was the family sitcom that kind of began to show the the darker side or or the the normal side of families it wasn't this perfect sort of um uh, families, it, it, it had these tensions and so on. And yeah. I guess we see a bit of that coming in here. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it, it, it's partly that. That's the, the nucleus of, of the show is, is Wanda retreating into this ideal that the family sitcom provided. Exactly. And right. I guess as you move into the 80s and 90s, that gets kind of undercut. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. One other thing as well to mention, uh, we've talked about the, the theme tunes being great and really representative of, of sitcoms throughout each of the decades. Uh, I love the theme tune they uh, have written for this episode as well, because the words of it, if you saw them, uh, luckily we have uh, subtitles now, but the words that if you saw for the, uh, for the uh, opening titles were, um, we're making it up because we've got love, which is a direct reference to the fact that Wanda is creating this because she's trying to keep the love alive between herself and, and Vision and also hit alive, which I, which I, I love. I love that they're really referencing the story, but it sounds exactly like an 80s sitcom theme as well. I, I'm right there. I literally think it's a 50-50 split of both your theories. Yeah, I yeah. literally think it was she watched these as a kid mm-hmm. uh, and then the ideal, and uh, it's the the 2.4 children kind of family ideal that is attempting to be recreated by Wanda. Yeah. Because yeah, like they, there's this immaculate um ideal of what the perfect family is. We've seen it across TV and film for years where yeah. it's everyone is happy like it's those Christmas films, those no 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 Christmas film really shows the the drunken uncle 
the racist uncle, the mm-hmm. racist auntie, the, uh, the, the grandfather that kind of, kind of uses derogatory terms. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing really, ch- everything's like, oh, it's all so fun and game. And you, like, no one really showed. So this is this, like, literally warping reality around herself to yeah. create that perfect life. And you see that mechanism being used uh, throughout this yeah. episode as as we see the boys, the, the two twins um, that we see at the start. They're crying. Uh, they move themselves forward in time five years and then they go out and find a puppy, uh, bring it home. I have to say the casting of the two five-year-old kids, could the two of them have been any cuter? And <laughs> the, uh, you know, one missing front teeth and the other one that has, that can't pronounce the oars. It's like, it's like perfect casting for the two of them. But then when told that they can't keep their dog, they age up to 10 years old because they, they were told they can get a dog when they're 10. So they age up to 10 year old. But the mechanism that you're talking about, Chris, this thing of being able to resolve any issue by just sitting on the couch, talking it through with the music being played underneath is used twice in the episode. We see when, uh, when the boys are playing with the dog and want to show the new tricks to vision, they find out he's gone to work uh, on a Saturday for some reason and they're freaked out about it. And she sits them down and goes, sometimes when daddy and mommy aren't on the same page, they need a little break from each other. And it's really this kind of almost patronizing tone from a parent to two children to explain the world to them. Um, it's a really, a really overused mechanism back in the eighties, but I love that they used it there. The other time is later on when poor old Sparky, um, eats too many leaves off a poisonous tree in someone's garden. Yes. Yes. In Agnes's garden, in fact. <laughs> I just want to call out Julian Hillard from, um, Haunting on Hill House. As an actor, um, mm-hmm. I've loved this little kid and just seeing him there, I went, Ooh, he's, he's coming up in the world quickly. Well, Chris, we know him even better because we covered, uh, 10 episodes of Penny Dreadful City of Angels where he, uh, where he played the young child who was terrorized, uh, in many <gasps> of the scenes. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, it, Tom. Yeah, little Tom. Um, so we, so I know John was, uh, John was looking at him in the episode going, I know that kid. I know that kid. And then we were like, put a pair of glasses on him. Make him look terrified. What did we see him in? And it was, uh, yeah. yeah, Penny Dreadful City of Angels. He was in, uh, in last year. So great little actor. I love that he's, uh, that yeah. they have brought him in here as well. He seems to be doing some, some great work in multiple shows now. So yeah, really good. So, um, Sparky is no more. Um, mm. but we do get one very quick tidbit before we move on to point two. We get one tidbit from Agnes. Um, and it's Anne from Wanda in that family value style the kind of section where it's she cannot bring things back from the dead. Mm. That's in response to the kids saying, you can do anything, mom, bring him back from the dead. Yes. Uh, Agnes says, is that something you can do now? And Wanda says, I'm not going to because there are rules to this. So Wanda yeah. says to the two kids, the other rule is that you can't age up at will, which the kids can do. They can age up, but they can move themselves mm-hmm. in time and move themselves forward. So it sounds like one, what Wanda's actually saying is I could bring the dog back from the dead, but I'm not going to because I shouldn't, as yes. opposed to her not being able to. So I think that's one yes. of the one of the kind of things to underline. I think you're absolutely right. It's a, an interesting scene. Agnes throughout all of these scenes looks really scared that she's going yep. to be that something's going to happen to her if she does anything wrong with Wanda. She knows what's going on. I think So she yeah, is officially like broken it. character because we get that fantastic scene which is do you want to take that again? Mm, do we want- take the like? Do, do we do we want do we want to do that scene? And yeah. While they they're with the the twins when the twins are still the babies. It's, it's like Vision hasn't read the script properly, and he gives her a, a response saying, "No, actually, we're going to take care of the babies," and it throws Agnes off the script. Yeah. yeah. So she and she looks at Wanda like the director, 
saying, do you want me to take that from the top? But she looks almost scared that she's messed something up and Wanda's going to yep. punish her for it. I think that's the that's kind of the interesting thing with Agnes. We talked before about whether she's the mastermind behind this whole thing. And it feels like if she's involved in some way that she feels like she's going to be punished by Wanda. So she's almost subservient to Wanda uh, in yeah. those scenes. So that was interesting. We'll get to my theories later. I'm going to have a special <laughs> Chris's Corner later today where yeah. I want to talk about it. But uh, I think there's a level of involvement that I don't think it's... She's aware. It's good. Well, leave it at that. She is aware of what is happening yeah. in comparison to some of the other actors in Westview. But speaking of Westview, let's move on to point two. Mm-hmm. What's going on outside of Westview? Yeah. Um, because I didn't think this was going to happen, but we are getting both sides of the story in there. We're getting what's happening within the sitcom, but we're also getting what's happening outside of the sitcom. Mm-hmm. The uh, Darcy, Jimmy Woo-led sword operation, which I think is a great way to continue that story. Yeah. Part of me thought for a second we would be getting the, okay, one episode would be back inside Ooh, the, yeah. the sitcom, one episode would be back outside, and we'd jump back and forth each episode, 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 culminating in episode 10. Yeah, I'm so glad I didn't do that. From from last week, I was really hopeful that from now on it was going to be split into the, the two storylines going on at the yes. same time as the episodes go on. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, no, it, it was just... This it, it was so interesting, John. What did you think? Yeah, no, I I love this this stuff um, outside of Westview. Um, I think the best best part of this for me was Wanda coming out of her the hex as Darcy's named it, mm. which is uh, obviously gaining traction with mm. with people from Sword. And and, um, and the reference here is that the magic that Wanda uses is hex. Magic. That's what's yeah, exactly. why it's been incorporated in the MCU. Um, I really like that. Um, I think, uh, and that was all because of the the kind of you know get a nice little bit of investigation with Monica, Darcy, and Agent Wu, mm-hmm. uh, where they're they're sending in contemporaneous kind of technology. Um, I like the fact that. Monica's pants are actually a Kevlar suit, so they're bulletproof, so cool. um, uh, fish pattern pants. Yep. And, uh, but I, I really liked with Wanda coming out of the hex, uh, and confronting, um, the director Haywood mm-hmm. uh, and the sword soldiers, um, just after effectively with the drone. So Monica trying to, um, speak to to Wanda, see what she wants, but actually it being taken over by uh director Haywood who's put in a a, a, a missile um so that he can effectively take her out. Yeah. And I really like this. I think um I, I, I guess the other thing with Sword is that um you know you you see in the debrief with director Haywood where you get that I guess the um the footage from uh, the end game that wasn't actually in in the movie mm. of Wanda going in and taking vision, which they're saying from the sword facility. So I guess sword really are the because they want their asset back, which is well, yeah. vision. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really really cool. Yeah. They were obviously testing him. You saw him like split apart. Uh-huh. Um, and that's really important. Hay- Hayward says that the, the body of Vision was being kept at a sword facility, and he shows the images of it. Yeah. And yes, as you as you say, the arms were over one way, the legs were over another. His head was separated. All of these things seem like sword were testing on him. 
and they're saying that the reason they're going after Wanda is because she she didn't respect his do not resuscitate order. Um, that was his yeah. living will, effectively. Yes, they're testing on him clearly because they want to replicate what he represented. So it looks like swords move into this monitoring of uh, of um, sentient beings is actually because they were experimenting on. Well, exactly. And I guess that the, the creation element is still very much there because they're, they're looking at the tech of vision in order Uh to create something. So that was really very, very cool. And I I like the tension between Monica uh, and Haywood, uh, where she's saying, I don't think she is a terrorist and that playing out when Wanda exits, uh, were, Monica is trying to, you know, connect with, with Wanda and trying to see what she wants. Mm-hmm. And ultimately Wanda just wants to be left alone, that she's got this um, safe space in her mind. Um, and the, the, just the great image for me was as she turns all the soldiers laser sights onto Haywood mm-hmm. um, yeah. and tells them to leave her alone. This is the only warning they're going to get. Yeah. And I guess seemingly um, strengthens the force field around Westview as well. Yeah. So that maybe nothing can penetrate it now, yeah. uh, whether it be drones. Uh, however, the other I, penetration, and we'll come to this with uh, point four, is that email that comes into mm-hmm. uh, Vision's place of work, um, which I thought was very cool. The only thing is, I didn't know whether that was actually connected with what Monica, Wu, and Darcy were doing, uh, because you know they they were trying to put in technology yeah. that was of the time, because then it wouldn't be changed. Yeah, and I thought that was just a reference to the drone. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was just reference to the drone, but then there is this email coming in, and so that was kind of interesting as well. Yeah, I, I, I wondered whether it was Darcy doing that, or if it was, you know, what that was. Was it? A sword higher command trying to connect with vision because of him being their asset or, or dead asset. Yeah, I, I think it's similar to what they were trying earlier on in the season with Jimmy Woo trying to call a radio that he sees yeah. uh, inside. Now there's a an internet system set up that can take emails, so let's send an email to it. You know, that that's yes. what the way it seems to be working as well. Uh, loads of other interesting stuff going on in the dialogue in these scenes as well. You know, that, that conversation that's going on about um about Wanda and how powerful she is. She could have taken down um could have taken down Thanos, as we mentioned before. They say the only reason that she didn't take him down is because he unleashed the Blitz, killing half of his troops while taking her out effectively or stopping her attacking him. Uh, all those things in there. And they say that she was the most powerful Avenger, maybe other than Captain Marvel. The reaction from Monica when Captain Marvel's name is mentioned is really interesting. Um, we found out in, in an endgame that uh, Captain Marvel had been away from Earth from the 90s and only came back in this for this final battle, really, uh, for those, that period of time. So it feels like they never got an opportunity to reconnect um, with Monica and, and Carol after she left in the 90s. And potentially she never saw uh, Maria um, over that time that she was alone and died of cancer uh, two years before Monica came back from the snap. Or at least yeah. that's what Monica thinks. Yeah. Potentially, she was there and did meet up with Maria at some point. We'll probably see that in Captain Marvel 2, but just a reference to uh, there being some tension there between Monica and uh, and Carol Danvers, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, great. I think that's, and I think that's going to play out and that, that setting the seeds for Captain Marvel 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really is that, that, that uh, Rambo is going to have problems with Carol. Uh, I think potentially there's going to be an element of why didn't you try and help save my mother? 
while I was out of, the, and you were back, mm. or at least visitor as as exactly your best friend dying alone, you know that kind of yeah. There's going to be there's there's just but they're setting it up. I think they might touch on it once more just to really hammer home a seed mm-hmm. uh, of something. Um, but you're right, they they're they're setting up so many things. Like for example, Rambo's tests are all coming back as nothing. Yeah, that's so, an interesting one too, isn't it? Well, they it's they couldn't see what was going on with uh, when they tried to X-ray her and things mm-hmm. like that and do uh, scans, which could be her powers now manifesting because she was put inside um, Westview. Maybe and her like similar to the Kevlar, which was altered mm-hmm. at a molecular level. Um, her Kevlar was altered into the costume. Maybe some of this radiation, the CBR or CBMR, uh, the cosmic background radiation, mm-hmm. um, that has now formed and been reconstituted within Monica Rambeau. Maybe. In the comic book, she is a superhero with her own power sets and things like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's, again, setting seeds for, and I think that's one of the things we're going to be getting. Lots of this stuff is just setting seeds going forward. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, all I had in my head when I when I saw those tests, I'd come back negative and I had to, had to redo the blood tests and stuff like that. All I had in my head was, is Monica real? <laughs> or is there <laughs> the projection of her been sent outside of this town and that she's not yeah. really there? She's just a, proje- a projection, which I just thought was also an interesting uh, idea, you know? Are we going to cut into the town and there's going to be a warehouse full of the actual people rather than uh, rather than all the people in the town moving around like puppets? Is yeah. it is it their projections yeah. or something? But I'm sure you're more you're more likely right that it's <laughs> that it's Monica Rambeau, but she essentially has taken on some form of powers from being inside Westview. Well, that's it. Like I I really like the the conversation to Wanda's powers that they do have because you know they they say it's way off the charts mm-hmm. of what she's previously displayed, um, and you know you you see her sort of increase the force field power i guess um yeah and i I, it is with what comes later it is trying to is everything that's going on in there entirely wonder and i think whether it's the behavior of agnes and maybe the the sudden disappearance of dotty with her kind of melting into the background Mm. and the the conversations between her and Vision towards the end of the episode, and I guess the surprise that she has of that unexpected guest, and um, that will come to you know, th- th- there's quite there's still questions here. Whereas you know, Monica is very very adamant this is Wanda, but and she's the, not a terrorist, yeah, and that but that she's not a terrorist. But there are things here that suggest Wanda's not fully in control to the extent yeah. that um everyone outside of the energy force field yeah. and indeed inside the energy force field um believes she is even with the conversation with norm that vision has mm-hmm. um, and i guess we, we, you know we'll come to this but yeah. i think that's the, the the interesting thing and you know we mentioned about her power set previously and yeah. uh, you know what actually is it that she has telekinesis and telepathy um so yeah this was really interesting because yeah. i think it yeah. you know it's suggestive of something else yeah. Beyond wonder. Absolutely. But it is interesting, isn't it, that the, the description that Monica gives of her experiences, she went through the barrier and instantly she could feel Wanda in her mind, is what she says. Yes. Whereas I know a couple, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but I think everybody else refers to it as she, she's doing it. So, um, but it's, 
Monica saying wonder took over her mind the minute she walked yeah. in and trans- and transferred her into yeah. this situation so it's yeah. all the assumptions that the these people are having i mean even with the sword briefing i i do really like the way haywood goes back to you know that they were radicalized they had the hydra connections yeah yeah um there was germany and lagos uh, that you know, it's something we've talked about. That you know, they they weren't always on the side of good. Absolutely. She does have this uh, sort of evil slant, and, and that that slant is being you know really put to the extreme by yeah. sword to say that she's a terrorist exactly. and holding you know thousands of people hostage. So I, I love oh, that Jimmy good. qualifies it as well. They're kind yeah. of saying, well, that's one way to read it. And exactly. that's a very simple way to put it. But remember, she did prove herself. She did become a member of the Avengers. She is, she is just like all of the other Avengers. She is a hero now. Um, so, uh, so uh, just a, a little reference to that there as well. Chris, anything on this point before we go into commercial breakdown? Uh, I'll leave with one bit, which is, I do not think she came out of that uh, Wanda who came out of the bubble. That was not Wanda. But I'll explain more later. Well, you're you're right. There is definitely uh, the most important thing that we didn't mention. Why did we not mention it? God, she has her Sokovian accent back. You know, we, exactly. We, we had it mentioned a number of times in interviews with Elizabeth Olsen uh, where she's kind of pushing for people to question why the Sokovian accent disappeared. From yep. from the second movie that uh, she played the character of Wanda, she's had this American accent, this all-American accent. Everybody just kind of went, is it because the producers said your Sokovian accent, even though it's a made-up country, is not a good accent? Let's let's make you American from now on. Well, actually, they're going to incorporate that into the storyline of the show. Why yeah. does she have a Sokovian accent when she comes out? And as well, the outfit that she's wearing, I think, is also her Age of Ultron uh, yeah. Wanda outfit as well. So it's that moment in time version of one that maybe a projection yep. that's walked out of Westview uh, or maybe not maybe it's maybe it is her walking out but it's definitely a different version of Wanda than we've seen throughout the series because she oh, yeah. absolutely has that that accent and that's the definition yeah. uh, that it's different yeah I think she's fracturing I think it's multiple aspects maybe and I think that is just another that is as you said it's a sliver of time because as soon as she walked out like that and she opened her mouth I went that's not Wanda. Right. But time for a commercial break. Absolutely. Gentlemen. This one's a really easy one. This was all explained in the episode itself, really. There was no uh, no surprise as to what this was. We talked about the first uh, couple of episodes. Each of the ad breaks are references to things that happened in Wanda's past. We had uh, the bomb from Stark in the first one. We had Strucker's um, experimentation on her and her brother being the reference for the second advert. Uh, third advert, Hydra, with the, with the soap bubbles. Um, and then this episode... We have the ad break about Lagos, the new paper towel that cleans up messes that you, uh, that you, that you didn't want to make, which is Lagos is the country where, uh, in Captain America's civil war, um, that's what caused the civil war basically is her trying to stop crossbones, Brock Rumlow from exploding. She throws him up in the air, blowing out a building, which actually turned out to be, uh, the Wakandan embassy had hundreds of people killed inside and, the Sokovia Accords were put in place to stop these really powerful superheroes from destroying things and killing people with no penalty or oversight from uh, from various commissions. So, um, so that's that was all that happened in Lagos. So the advert is referencing that terrible terrible moment in her life that almost led to her being imprisoned, effectively, and definitely led to her being on the run uh, for the next couple of years. I heard two very cool theories about the advertisements that I just want to throw in here. One, can you imagine that these are these people who are, because it's the same actors and actresses 
in uh, for all the advertisements. Yeah. Um. So can you imagine just being? These are just a standard family who are in there. Right. Um. And they are just constantly pulled out once a week to be in an advertisement, <laughs> and that is their that is their role within this whole because there are thousands of people in this town. That's true. But they've just been selected, and they are the advertisement family. I think there's someone more important, and um, we got their names this episode for the first time as well. Um, the the people that I think they are, anyway. Um, it was mentioned in the briefing from uh, from temporary director uh, Hayward. He mentions uh, the parents of Wanda and Pietro uh, in in the briefing that it is Arena and Ole Maximov who died in the bombing of Sokovia originally uh, that kicked them all off on their path. And I think that's why they're in the adverts about all of the historical moments of Wanda's past, yeah. that it is potentially her parents that are playing out all of yes. these horri- horrifying moments that have uh, put Wanda on her path and led her to this point. That's chef's kiss. Like, that's <laughs> fantastic. Like, like that is uh, her parents and the two kids are the Maximovs, and that's just... Fantastic. Yeah, that's just so clever. Absolutely. That's it. That's the commercial breakdown for this week. Uh, as I say, pretty straightforward uh, this time. John, do you want to take us on to our fourth point? Yeah, Vision's conversation with Norm. Um, like, this This is really great. It was really unsettling to see Norm kicked out of um, the control that's over him. Mm-hmm. And um, just hearing his distress and the pain... That, that he's going through. I, I thought that was really cool. But, yeah. uh, you know, vision, this, this kind of coming off on the back of vision seeing this email from Sword about the Maximoff anomaly mm-hmm. and, um, going into his mind using his powers. I think, you know, it was kind of building in this episode with vision, uh, where you see, a lot of things happening with with Agnes, like we've mentioned about her asking to take the scene back again yeah. because she feels that it, it it's not what Wanda wants. And um, you see Wanda getting the the dog collar right in front of of Agnes again, mm-hmm. like Vision questioning that, yeah. um, the kids hit, aging, the up. kids aging up in yeah. front of her, and her asking the question, "You can do that now." When the kids ask Wanda to bring Sparky back from the dead, so yeah. you know this is all building on Vision's sort of unsettled um, state of mind after the the previous um, episode three, yeah. and uh, you know really building on that to the point now where he he believes it's Wanda. And again, coming back to this idea as to whether Wanda is doing everything that's happening here, mm-hmm. uh, rather than just maybe part of it, all we get from Norm is that there is a female that is controlling him yeah. in his mind. He doesn't say Wanda. He doesn't say your wife. Yeah. Uh, nothing like that. It is at this moment in time only um Monica that is saying Wanda's doing everything. Right. I guess maybe Monica could be that unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, but here it's really interesting that Vision just believes that this is Wanda. And I, I, I'm still a little skeptical, uh, on this, uh, well, yeah. as to whether it is. As I said, we have Dottie who just hasn't been there. Yeah. Uh, we don't know and that much about her. Yeah. Initially, we were thinking about Agnes, but seeing Agnes involved, she's obviously aware more so than say Herb is, um, that she's got agency. She, and she, it's like she's kind of accepted it or she's just so scared that yeah. she, you know, we do see a few tears here from Agnes where with the, the death of Sparky. Yeah. 
But Dottie was introduced as the person that has all the power. You have yeah. to impress her or else you'll exactly. get nothing in this town. Uh, and what we hear in the big fight between Wanda, the first ever fight, really, between Wanda and Vision, we hear that she says, I'm not controlling all of this. She almost says, and I think a little bit of interpretation on her line, but I think she says, this was like this when I got here, yeah. basically. She says, uh, I don't know how any of this started. Yeah, she, she effectively didn't set it all up. I don't think she's in control of everything. I think she walked into this town that was already in the control of something, potentially like Monica trying to save Wanda. She walked into the town trying to save them from this situation and then got everything she wanted, was able to manipulate the town to bring back Vision and get everything that she wanted. And now she doesn't remember the mission that she was on to come in here and stop it. What I do know, though, is that email moment it does sound like everybody is connected almost like they're all being uh they're they're all one connected unified mind like ultron uh, was trying to create where every ultron is just ultron there may be hundreds of them but they're all speaking with the same voice what we have is when they're reading the email it's not just norm reading the email everybody in the office is reading the email at exactly the same time and has the same laugh reaction that this is all a joke at the same time so it feels kind of like that ultron manipulation that he did when he created all the hundreds of versions of himself yeah mm. so like th- this is really pivotal moment mm-hmm. and because yeah. it, it it comes to to blows between vision and wonder I, I love the fact that they they take up their kind of age of ultron you know their their powered up stances in their living room um you really have uh vision ple- you know pleading with with wonder that she's got to stop yeah. what she's doing why is she doing it you know why are you causing these people pain? What's beyond Westview? You know, he, what's she keeping from him? And I just thought this was really good having that. And I, I love that she goes, I can stop this and the credits roll and he just continues so uh, yeah. at her until like the, the credits kind of sort of jump and, 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 yeah. and screech off the the screen yeah. uh, and they get into their superpowers stance. Well, a real nice kind of design um touch here. Yeah. I yeah. really, really liked it. Because he's learned that she's reset every day. Yeah. She's reset it after they sit down and watch TV and the credits roll. She resets and moves it to a different yeah. decade. And he's he's forgetting all the other stuff that's happened outside of Westview, which is, which is a really good way of using this, uh, this trapping, I suppose, that they have with the sitcom uh, all the way throughout the season, this moment where he's kind of going, no, no, do not roll the credits on this. This is a fight. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And I, I think that conversation that we're about to have just before the doorbell, it, it, it feels like those conversations, you know, when people think that it's something that you've done and you sit down and she goes, do you think I'm controlling everything? Like yeah. people's dental appointments, like just why would I be doing that? Yeah. Like, are, are you, have you just lost the run of yourself? And I, I, I think that's it. There's all these assumptions placed on Wanda being someone um, doing something that in the end she's probably not as involved yeah. or as important to what's going on as we think. I have a different interpretation. Okay. Okay. That's fine. But yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I know it's fine. That's we, we that's the whole point of this podcast. We discuss our interpretations. I'll just say I think you're right on every aspect I think it's the last bit, which is she is not involved knowingly. Yeah. Consciously. Well, that, that's what I meant. I think yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. That's- it's like, I, I, I think she's not in control 
consciously. Mm-hmm. You think someone's feeding off her power, maybe, to create this uh, this nope. situation, or I literally think it's almost like a. Essentially, I I, I think. What we're seeing here is a fracturing of a personality mm-hmm. to the point where subconsciously her powers are controlling and doing a lot of things. Okay. Interesting. Um, where it's essentially, um, she's not, she's, yeah, she has no agency about it. Exactly. Whether, whether it's it. the fracturing or, as you're saying, the fracturing of a mind, which I guess fits in with multiverse, yep. um, to, or, oh, well, it fits much more into multiverse of madness. Yes. Than the other um, words. Yes. That's <laughs> true. In that title. Um, and, <laughs> If there is another agency involved in that fracturing um, and that control. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's that she is losing her agency. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I think we, we've been given all of the major key points. I think the, the massive and the, the core being it's Wanda. It, it was Wanda. It's always been Wanda. Okay. I honestly do think the big bad is Wanda. I just don't think she knows. Mm-hmm. A lot of the key chess pieces are already on the board. Yeah, yeah. And it feels weird I that think, they're not, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 So I think actually they are. I think we just are not seeing them as key chess pieces right now. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think at the moment my theory is that she went in to stop something as a superhero and got everything that she wanted Um and that's making her stay. So let's talk about the final point, the big, uh, the big reveal of the episode, because this is something else that Wanda wanted. We we had earlier on, her two boys are sitting down. They're asking, do you have any family, mom? And she talks about Pietro uh, for the first time. Uh, it was mentioned to her from Monica, remember? Uh, earlier on in the season, she mentioned that she had a twin brother. Um, and then Monica got kicked out of the city. Now her children are asking her about Pietro. And she talks about the fact that he's very far away, never mentions that he's dead uh, this time. Uh, and new Pietro turns up at the door. Um and I have to wonder why the writers didn't use the line of you didn't see that coming, um, which was the line that Pietro uh, originally played by Aaron Taylor Johnson in uh, in Age of Ultron. Uh, that was his main line that he used throughout the scene, throughout, throughout that movie, you know. So I wonder why they didn't use that line when uh, when they introduced Evan Peters. But did you notice that he is the upstate New York brother here? You know, he's a completely yeah. different character. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. And completely different from the Fox X-Men yeah. version of the character. I, I didn't like it. Like that. I, yeah. I didn't like what, I didn't like his few minutes on screen time. Right. I, I just thought it was too hammy. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's fitting into the 80s. It I, is, I get yeah. that, but yeah. it was just like, oh no. Like, I would have preferred it if they played that a little straighter. Really? Uh, to be honest, because I liked, like, I say surprise of Wanda. Mm-hmm. And again, it's about whether she's in control or, or, or not. Or, um, However that may be, um, you know, she did not expect him to come to the door. Yeah. And I wanted a more meaningful moment right. because, you, you know, you, you had that moment with Sparky on, and the dog. And that's the thing, even though it's hammed up, that was really meaningful where she's speaking to her twins mm-hmm. saying some things. It felt like she's learning from from the fact that she's wanted her brother back. She's wanted yeah. vision back to, from the dead. Yeah. Um, and she's imparting something quite different than what she's done in the past. Yeah. And then you kind of got this hammed up <laughs> version of Pietro. See, and this I, feels and like it, it, yeah. it didn't work for me. Uh, this, unfortunately. this feels like they're trying to push 
Pietro sitcom version into her world to try and get her back on track with the sitcom. Remember, they, uh, Vision took it off the rails, as, as we mentioned yep. earlier on. He pushed those credits out of the way and the episode's still going. This episode's 42 minutes, the longest episode of the show so far. Yep. Uh, going, breaking that sitcom mold of being 30 minutes. We're now into hour long episodes, basically with commercials. Uh, it would be roughly 42 minutes. So, what it feels like is someone's gone, hang on a second, how do we get it back in sitcom mode? Send in long lost brother, uh, total sitcom trope, send in long lost brother, played by a different actor, absolute 80s sitcom trope. Don't um, get me wrong, I love, love the it. arrival of Pietro, and love, um, I, I love Evan Peters, uh, yeah. it was really great, I thought that was, you know, absolutely great, um, so, that I loved. Yeah. I loved yeah. that. But, it, but I mean, even the accent and even the overacting feels more like they're saying, this is sitcom Pietro. This isn't yeah. the character from the Fox universe. Yeah, this I, isn't the character from the Marvel universe. This is sitcom long lost brother. <laughs> no, I, I, I did. And I liked actually the great cheer from the audience when yeah. he came in. I thought that was a really nice touch because that whole sitcom thing had gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I get what you're saying, but I just didn't... It, that didn't work for me. Okay, yeah. Other than the audience cheer, because it was like, oh, excellent, because it's it. This is another element potentially um, linking to the multiverse that we now have this version of Pietro. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. So a couple of points. First, didn't see that coming. I think that's the episode of the next. Uh, the title of the next episode. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. I think that's what they're gonna do. I think he's playing the John Stamos character okay that's where it's the overacting because remember john stamos it was that kind of over the top when he, what was it full house yeah yeah in the 90s like it was that kind of like over the top suave kind of brother he was because he, he was um Bob, he Bob was low, brother. low rent fonzie um yes for, exactly. for the 80s yes <laughs> i think that's what we're gonna get from that i think that's why that came mm-hmm. um as much as I saw it coming or had heard it was coming. I was just so shocked when it did come. Yeah, yeah. it was a real surprise. And I think people that don't know Marvel very well might not realize why it's so much of a surprise as opposed to have this character in here. Uh, We're the Marvel fans. Let's talk a little bit about the difference between Evan Peters' version of Quicksilver and Aaron Taylor Johnson's version of Quicksilver. This is a completely different character. He's American, uh, firstly. Um, He is... Uh, always teased as the son of Magneto because Magneto was part of the X-Men movies, whereas Wanda and Vision are never teased as that. They have the name Maximoff, but they're never connected because Magneto even doesn't appear in all the Marvel movies. Um, the character was introduced in the 70s um, in X-Men Days of Future Past, whereas Aaron Taylor Johnson and, uh, and Elizabeth Olsen's versions of these characters appeared uh, to be born probably somewhere in the 90s basically. So there's a massive difference in time between those two characters as well. So uh, so is it really this character appearing from the X-Men universe over into our universe? Has he been pulled through time and space? <laughs> really? I think is one of the questions. Or is this just a figment uh, of the imagination? Is this just great stunt casting? Let's or say. is it Disney-like sword realizing their asset? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so one thing comic booky. There, there are in the multiverse, in the comic books, there are universes that run at a different time mm-hmm. pace as the, the standard prime designation universe in the comic books. There are ones that are set in the sixties, for example, that mm-hmm. like the, the, there's a Marvel sixties universe that I don't, that I don't mind because he can be in that one that's running 
just at slightly different pace, literally running at a different pace. I think the best explanation and uh, exclamation comes from uh, Darcy, Kat Dennings, where she mm-hmm. goes, oh my God, they've recast Pipetro. And I think that's literally what they like. That I think that's the the whole point, which is similar to Sparky. She can't bring back the dead. There's nothing saying she can't bring in a different alive version. Absolutely. So I suppose that's the big question. Does this mean as much as everybody thinks it does? Uh, we've got loads of feedback about this. Does it really mean as much as everybody thinks it does? Does it mean that they emerge in the universes, that this is how they're going to create X-Men in here, that they're now going to be pulling in people like um, like characters from Blade back in the 90s so that they can merge everything together now that Mar- Marvel and Disney have the rights to all this stuff? Does it mean all of that? Or are they simply trying to deal with the fact that Aaron Taylor-Johnson only signed on for one big superhero movie. He doesn't generally work outside of indie movies. For the most part, I think he was in Godzilla as well. But for the most part, the actor came on board for one movie and didn't ever want to return. Are they just trying to deal with that and said, you know, it'd be great stunt casting. We've got Evan Peters. He's really into doing this type of stuff. Let's get him in to pay our Quicksilver. Or does it really mean we've now opened up the possibility of every single uh, Marvel-related movie being on the table for them to pull characters out of? Outside of all this, we do know that we're coming into the next Spider-Man movie. Rumors about loads and loads of actors from uh, all the other Spider-Man coming in. There's so many properties. You can kind of understand why they're doing it. Is this going to be the whole Marvel thing now? To be able to bring in actors and characters all the way back to the 70s, 80s, 90s uh, into their movies going forward as this multiverse of madness uh, builds out towards Doctor Strange? I literally think it's 50-50 of that. Okay. I think it, and I, I mean this, is that this is stunt casting. This is, we have a character and an actor who wants to play this character, mm-hmm. who enjoys playing this character, who some will be a huge wow moment for some of the audience, mm-hmm. and for others, it will bring them down a kind of rabbit hole. We own the right. Hell, why not? But at the same time, I think, it, do you remember that scene in Deadpool where they had the all the X-Men from the from that universe hiding in a in a room because uh, Ryan Reynolds character Wade Wilson goes there's no one ever else in this this mansion when I yeah. come and they're all hiding in a room away so they don't see like it's that I think is what we may get in the future like mm-hmm. if they do bring in these other multiversal like fox properties it will be in a nice easter egg moment mm-hmm. but I think this was a stunt casting to the we have an actor who does embody a whole aspect of Peter Maximoff. Mm-hmm. Why don't we use that? Yeah. Because we want to highlight and really go down on, she cannot bring the dead back. She will not bring back the dead. Mm-hmm. But she can sometimes bring different versions of the dead. Mm-hmm. If it's really needed. Or is this her? That's still the question. Is this her that's able to pull someone from outside of the Marvel Central Universe across into this universe? Or is there another bad that we haven't seen for definite or hasn't been confirmed for us that is done that has done this because that's what she wants and that'll keep her happy and maybe push her back into the sitcom daily routine yeah. rather than her pushing the, the boundaries? Yeah, I mean, whether it's my... I, I guess my big kind of like theory that i'd love to see and whether it's even would happen in this you know we've talked about mephisto but actually now with 
Marvel having Fantastic Four that it would be Doctor Doom that that connects in with Doctor Strange. Okay. Um, like I'm thinking, I think was it Matt Fraction with the multiverse where they collide, where Doom collides it, uh, brings them together into mm. a single sort of entity. Secret Wars. The, there's something about that, at least maybe not so much that storyline, but just, um, you know, the, the big bad for Doctor Strange 2, who could that be? I guess it won't be Doctor Doom. And that's why I say it is just one of the kind of love letter theories that I would, <laughs> that, that I would have because yeah. I guess it was in train before they had actually gotten Fantastic Four back and it, yeah. it's, it's written at this stage, but maybe, you know, that there's something there given that you know the recent announcement that fantastic four um will be that movie to finish off the the this next phase well it will be yeah. in it'll be coming yeah yeah it's coming yeah. Yeah. then that that's something linked in there yeah. and you have the eternals it's all kind of feeling more around that multiverse space opera mm. and yeah. that that's going to happen and, yeah. and yeah, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting. I know there's loads of other stuff uh, in this episode as well. Let's just go on to notes and take them as take anything else that we have as notes. Because one of the things we didn't mention earlier on was just it. it it's always these things that are in the writing from uh, from the writers of all of the Marvel movies where they drop. Uh, a name or something that could connect to a character in the universe that we haven't seen before. Um, we do hear that Monica is going to reach out to an aeronautic engineer that she knows who'd be really, really interested in solving the problem of getting some 80s tech uh, for them. Who could that be? Is that just a drop line connecting her back to uh, S.W.O.R.D.? Because they're obviously aeronautic engineers would work for S.W.O.R.D. building things for space. Could this be an Iron Man building something for her that she has a connection with? Could it be Riri Williams, future Iron Man, who's also been confirmed to have her own TV show? Is this a backdoor way of introducing her as an aeronautic engineer? Is this possibly Reed Richards, also an engineer in the Marvel Universe? Is this a backdoor way of introducing him into the universe way before he gets his movie? They have so many options on the table when they make these uh, these kind of lines, but it was so pointed you specifically see her say, I know someone that would be really excited to be involved yeah. in this, reaching for her phone. It sits on her for a second so that we can all go... I wonder which engineer of the 25 engineers that are in the Marvel <laughs> Universe this could be. Is it someone we know already? Is it just a member of S.W.O.R.D.? Or are they setting up something for five years down the line where that phone call, we hear the other side of it, maybe? It was It was not a drop line. It was purposely, pointedly. The camera sat. If the camera had jumped two seconds earlier, mm-hmm. I would have gone, oh, yeah, it was just a person from S.W.O.R.D. Yeah. It was too <laughs> lingering. I was like, all right, all right, they're gonna, they're gonna name drop another person very soon, and then that will be some form of setup. Of to who? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. It could be anybody at all. It could I, know, be. I know there's theories that it's Rhodey, and that's a way of tying in Rhodey to this. I don't know why, uh, why Rhodey and military personnel would be, would be involved in it unless he just had access to the equipment from the 80s. Maybe that's it. Rhodey will be in, um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier of TV course. show. Yeah, yeah, he of will be, he be in that show yeah. uh, before being in uh, his own show, which is Armor Wars. Mm. So that's been confirmed, but that's where that weird kind of internet connections. People are connecting dots all over the shop. I just love that the line was there yeah. because it, it gives us all something to talk about. Really like that. Uh, any other notes that we want to talk about uh, for this episode? Uh, just for me, it was just that they say the 
the heist by Wanda of Vision from the Sword Facility, it was nine days ago. So actually, it's a lot quicker than I thought um, this was playing out on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this was maybe, more, I guess, six months or something like that, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So it also just makes Haywood, and we see it in this episode, just that a little bit more pointed in asking Monica to go and check uh, this missing person yeah. thing out yeah. in, in uh, with the FBI, uh, and also his, he was looking for a way in, to yeah, get the asset back, way in, search, and yeah. the you know a little more duplicitous, you know, does have uh, that aspect of of Nick Fury where um, he he keeps things from Monica, even mm-hmm. though you kind of thought they were best of buddies um, yeah. in in episode four, so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Just a little note there. Yeah, absolutely. They do seem to be making the same mistake that S.H.I.E.L.D. made, uh, even though they're nothing like S.H.I.E.L.D., this idea that um, they will take the opportunity to create a new weapon to defend Earth from yeah. superpowered beings. That was the whole premise of them uh, building the helicarriers, building the ability to kill anybody on the planet, and it turning out that that was actually a Hydra plan. Um, we have S.W.O.R.D. here uh, potentially trying to create a weapon out of vision by experimenting on him. Um because he's so powerful. So, yeah, I think yeah. That's, uh, that's... If it that's looks like S.H.I.E.L.D., there. smells like S.H.I.E.L.D., and feels like S.H.I.E.L.D., it's still it's not S.H.I.E.L.D. Even in, space. Not in space. In space. <laughs> one of the ones I wanted to call out as well, um, we had, had kind of put forward theories as to who was that person in witness protection that Jimmy Woo was looking for, and we kind of said, oh, I wonder if it's Agnes or Dottie, because their names weren't up on the board. They didn't have the details of who they were. Um, one of the one that we didn't really talk about, we didn't even consider, which I thought, thinking about it this week in between episodes... Is it Agnes's husband who's in the witness protection program? Because we haven't seen him. She talks about him being off screen. He's in hiding from the cameras, effectively. I wonder if it's just a little gag that uh, that he's the person in witness protection because yeah, he's Ralph. off screen all the time. Yeah, I just I, it just popped into my head during the week this week. I was like, witness protection is that is that he's being protected within the show, effectively. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was a funny a funny note. Uh, all of those characters, I think. Uh, in the eighties, in the eighties sitcoms and many, many sitcoms that never appear on screen, they're always referenced. Like Norm's wife, for example, in Cheers, you never see her. They all got a moment at some point in the series where you got, uh, you got to see their feet or you got to see an arm of them or something like that. But, um, but it's it's a definitely a comedy staple that there's someone that never appears on screen, and I wonder if that's their joke that this is the person in witness protection that you never see on screen. Well, there's a rumor that it's Simon Williams. Um, who is the character of uh, Wonder Man. They who, are trying uh, to force that into this show, they? really they? are. Uh, <laughs> because, so, backstory is uh, James Gunn, back in the day, cast Nathan Fillion mm. as Wonder Man, as uh, the actor, the character, Simon Williams, um, and apparently was there, there was scene shot, there was uh, props put up, and it just never got used. Yeah. Um they are trying, to, people are trying to connect the dot here in that. So in the comic book, Simon Williams, the character of Wonder Woman, had connections to Wanda and Vision and yeah. more the creation of Vision. Yeah. And, uh, but also had went into witness protection, uh, because of his connections to the mob and things like that. So right. they're really, people are like, it's Nathan Fillion. That's going to be the surprise character. <laughs> They're going to make Ralph to be, uh, he was in witness protection and it's going to be Simon Williams and right. that's going to be it. So if that's the current, just that's the current hypothesis as to who, but I actually, similar to you, I think it's just 
that husband of mine mm-hmm. who you never see. You'll never see. They're, they're just that fictional kind of character who's in invisible. Yeah, either that or the last shot in the whole season will be Jimmy Woo getting his man, putting him in handcuffs and bring him away or something like that, or moving yeah. him off to the next witness protection town. It'll be one final scene at the end of the show. Uh, yeah. Uh, only the mention just to, just to reference it. Um, a lot of people talk about this show being taken from the Vision comic book where Vision moved into the suburbs and from, uh, from House of M where Wanda changes the whole, the whole world effectively to fit around her new ideal. Uh, one of the things that is taken from the Vision comic book is the dog Sparky. Um, Vision builds a dog for his kids in that book. Uh, he builds it. It is a mechanical dog. That's why it's called Sparky, but I love how they fit it in here where, uh, where this dog is way too inquisitive, uh, goes over to a plug, nuzzles it until it explodes and then, then gets named Sparky, which is why, you know, it's not too much of a surprise that he dies later that day eating leaves from a plant, from a poisonous plant. Um, because he does seem a little bit too inquisitive. Yes. But usually they say curiosity kills the cat, but in this case, it did the dog. It did the dog. Yes. Absolutely. Right, gentlemen, I'm going to jump in very quickly on my notes because this is one that I've been dying to talk to you about, and I just want to see what you think, mm-hmm. okay? And so we've gotten to the end of this. Uh, now, if anyone doesn't want to hear my theory of this whole show and the background of what it all is, skip ahead five minutes. Okay, you're still with us? Right. This is what I think is happening because okay. we, as I made it said, we, all the chess pieces are on the board, okay? I just don't think they're the chess pieces we think they are. So... This is all set three weeks, nearly three and a half weeks after Endgame. We know this because Monica Rambeau essentially um, kind of woke up at the blip. So, and that we, we got told that this is the, so the timing there, we also now got then there was nine days since the body of Vision. Mm-hmm. We also did see it's called out that Scarlet Witch nearly went toe to toe with Thanos. Like her powers are off the charts. Right? Yeah. Her powers seem to be evolving and changing and things like that. Right? I think essentially she is, her powers started to fritz a bit after the battle at the end of Endgame. Mm -hmm. And essentially she was sent to a person for training. Okay? Essentially go study with this person. Right? She was training with this person for two weeks, essentially. She then gets notification somehow that S.W.O.R.D. are experimenting on her dead boyfriend's body. Mm. What the hell? She cracks and just like, no, and goes and steals the body back, mm-hmm. right? She is there then, and she is basically, she starts to have a nervous breakdown after stealing the body back. Like, her, she's holding again her dead boyfriend, in this town, after she goes back to town after seeing the body, and her powers start to crack even further. Her brain cracks, and she, we have a House of N moment, which is similar to the comic book, as we just said, as you said, Derek. It's based, the, apparently they drew inspiration from this, Vision and the House of M storylines. She cracks. Her basically, what we're getting is this fracturing of her mind, but at the same time, fracturing of her powers, where she's warping reality completely around itself to give herself the perfect life because she has not had a life Mm -hmm. at all. So essentially what we're getting is her subconscious is creating this and like literally blocking her. So she is, she is the big bad, but like it's the, it's the one that went outside of the, 
uh, of the Sokovian accented Age of Ultron uh, Wanda is the one that went out. That is not Wanda. That was that is a creation. That is her part of her mind, her subconscious, stopping them coming in. She is now becoming the hexed, magic, reality warping Wanda that we know, and it does also play into how she. Uh, we know that she will play a part somehow in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Her powers at the end of this, she is sent to Doctor Strange as an apprentice mm. uh, to train with Doctor Strange to control her powers better after this whole incident. Maybe because yeah. essentially this is her the the wonder that we're seeing within the town, the one that the the nicey nicey sitcom one is just her, and she's true. She's not controlling this. She's it's her subconscious is warping the reality and creating this for her. So do you and think by episode nine that we're going to have a battle between Wanda Maximoff and Scarlet Witch? Effectively? Yes. Because it was very yeah. clear in this episode that she's not Scarlet Witch. There was a whole yeah. gag there from from Hayward. Does she not have a silly nickname or not? You know, No, no, she's Wanda Maximoff. But are you saying there is actually a Scarlet Witch persona that's effectively been created and the two of them are going to battle against each other? Is that Yeah, theory? I think that's it. I think because uh, uh, Agnes potentially what is just the reason she's aware of everything is because she was the person that Wanda was training with like and essentially vision is the body of vision but is being warped to be alive but not conscious so essentially like almost she took nine days ago took the body went back to this town cried herself to sleep okay and cracked and woke up the morning of after creating this bubble, but she woke up in this thing and she was not aware. She's starting to awaken to this and she's starting to understand. But then the, the, the essential, the battle is going to be Wanda from the sitcoms versus yep. Wanda in who went out to the Sokovian Accords. It's that, that is your big bad. That is your battle. And then everyone gets free and she goes to Doctor Strange for training. That's it's like, okay, you need to control this. You are, you are a threat to the world. Mm. Anyway. Interesting theory. I think I think there's more to come uh, in the show. I think there's I think there's more. We got four more episodes. Uh, lots more to come on the on the show. And I do think there's somebody else involved here as well. And I'm not sure whether it's her, but that could that would be interesting. Yeah, no, if I like the theory. A, yeah, if it's if it's just a fracturing of mind. Um, I think I think my theory is still there. The uh, that she's gone in to try and stop something as a hero and now lost her way in there. Yeah, I mean, I, I it, it the grief of losing vision. I mean, effectively, a life is really sad and that's what you're getting in mm-hmm. in this series and um, yeah. she's she you know and the brief moment of happiness in edinburgh um kind of taken from her yeah. and maybe the only time where she was it could possibly set her on the path on the timeline as the ancient one would would say you know to happiness with vision and that yeah. was it's been interrupted again with the death of vision. Um, I, I like the idea that, you know, the, the grief would split her, her consciousness. Yeah. Uh, effectively almost like becoming bipolar. Yeah. With, with having these two, you know, Wanda Maximoff and the Scarlet Witch uh, mm. as two different personalities that she's unable to control. So I, I like that idea. And I think, um, that would the Scarlet Witch side definitely, you know, links into Doctor Strange, but it also just having the split personality, the, this multiverse. Um, and that, that he's a guessing. doctor. 
he literally could she could be sent to him to because he is a doctor of the mystic arts but also a doctor to like help her like on all aspects it is a neurologist so it's all about the the mind and the the mind the brain and so on and and the nerves so um yeah it could be although i just reckon he wouldn't be great conversation (laughs) <laughs> bedside manner, yeah definitely. bedside manner is yeah. not great I, i'd love if there was somebody else there that was opening up the multiverse i'd love if there was another threat there and it was wanda and Stephen strange teaming up together against that threat that was opening up the multiverse using whatever powers they had rather than it just being wanda for the whole series yeah. i want to see another another bad guy brought into the this is where i'd love doctor so many hundreds maybe doctor but it's not it's not it's not going to happen doctor doom was was an odder choice than i was expecting i thought you were going to think of maybe nightmare as you've mentioned before or no i love those characters i love nightmare mephisto they're great sort of bads for for doctor strange but there's there's something about the relationship between doctor strange and doctor doom that I just absolutely love because you yeah. don't expect them to team up and they've teamed up for various reasons. Some yeah. of it because Doctor Strange has been forced to by yeah. Doctor Doom. Uh, others were, you know, Doctor Strange has some kind of element of sympathy uh, with with Doctor Doom, such as, what you know, with the loss of his wife and and mm. and um, well, I can't remember the comic now, but uh, real classic comic and... Um, they have just they have this connection, which I think is really odd but fascinating. Maybe I'd love to see the two of them on screen together. Definitely, I don't think it's here uh, yeah, at this stage, unfortunately. Uh, guys, let's close this out. We've got loads of feedback uh, to get to. Um, Chris, do you defend the episode? Hundred percent. This was my favorite episode by far, on all aspects of the writing, the direction, the narrative. You name it, I am hundred percent back on board. Like last episode, and yeah, I hundred percent defend this certainly biggest show of the year for me yeah i defend this without any reservations at all the balance that they concocted here between what's happening in westview the sitcom of the 80s plus what's happening outside westview and that ending with pushing the credits aside and uh, and having another battle between two super heroic characters in this setting they definitely are pushing the budget into this show as well so uh yeah best show on tv at the moment (laughs) loving it yeah john finally do you defend this episode of wandavision Absolutely. Um, give this five binkies out of five. Um, <laughs> binkies yeah, I, I loved loved it. Um, I just had a really nice balance between the sitcom, as you say, and outside Westview. Um, just some really good moments. I loved the one with Vision and Norm. Uh, I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And Wanda outside um, of the energy field. And yeah, it's just it just raises... So many questions. There's so many avenues that they can go down yeah. or choose, which I guess is already mapped out by Disney. I think uh, they Kevin Feige. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, there's just so many options for them as to how they can take this. Mm-hmm. And it just makes it really exciting because it just feeds into theories, conjecture, intrigue. Um, and it really just is a nice accompaniment to watching the show as well. Just kind of watching it. So yeah, love this uh, episode. Um, so definitely defend this episode of WandaVision. Uh, final bit before we get into feedback, John, you have a pub quiz question for us this week. I do. A pub quiz question for WandaVision episode five. What birthdays do Billy and Tommy specifically celebrate with a birthday cake mm. in this episode? 
Yes. Answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, the question will also go up onto tvpodcastindustries.com forward slash WandaVision pub quiz. Mm-hmm. And of course, please send these in for, um, the chance to, uh, get some Funko Pops of Wanda and Vision yes. uh, from this series. So just to recap, episode five question, what birthdays do Billy and Tommy specifically celebrate with a juicy uh icing laden birthday cake in mm. this episode of WandaVision. Yeah, I know they age up and change age multiple times in the episode, but there's a very specific moment. Stop giving there? clues. I'm helping. Oh I'm my helping. goodness. We did get the first Never. delivery of the first uh, WandaVision Funko Pop, so it is in hand. We have it here to send out once the show finishes. Uh so we'd love to hear uh, all of the answers for the podcast questions as we go. You also have another opportunity as we've mentioned many times to get your hands on another set of WandaVision um, Funko Pops. All you need to do is send in your feedback and have it read out in the podcast. This week, there is so much feedback that's out there. I haven't been able to put all of the feedback together for the podcast uh, because we would be going for another hour and a half or two hours. But rest assured, everybody who sent in feedback to us is included in that that draw for uh, the WandaVision Funko Pops. If you haven't sent us in any feedback, we'd love to hear your thoughts. We get loads of feedback uh, for these episodes. But if you haven't contacted us before, email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any thoughts about any of the episodes. And we'll uh, we'll talk about it on the, on the next podcast. So first up, we have a voicemail sent in by the one and only Ryan, and this is about episode four. So take it away, Ryan. Hey, what's happening, guys? Ryan here with my I know sorry late review of episode four, One Division. This episode for me was the bee's knees. The opening scene was amazing. When you think about what was going on on the other side of the country, or I can't remember exactly where they are comparison to where the Avengers were when uh, Bruce Banner snapped back everybody. It, it's just cool when you think about the world, the universe that they carry on expanding and that Kevin Foggy has his fingerprint over everything. And you know, the buck stops with him. Nothing gets the okay unless he says it gets the okay, which is amazing. Compar- compared to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I liked it. I watched all seven series and yes, it did drag on a bit. And at the beginning, we were all told it was going to be intertwining with the universe. And apart from a couple of little mentions, it wasn't. And now it is crazy because you know that these films are going to lead into the TV programs and the TV programs back into the films. And this is what we've all been waiting for. So hands off to all of them. Episode itself was amazing. Uh, the facts that we got and the Easter eggs and the stuff that was confirmed that we fought over the last couple of weeks was wicked. Uh, one annoying thing for me is that everyone's getting on um, Darcy. I can't remember the actress's name. Uh, my opinion, I think she's fine. I think she's fine. She's, she plays the character that we've seen in Thor, Dark World, and it's not a problem. I don't get what the big deal is about it. But anyway, let's not end it on a bad note. Lovely to speak to you guys. Oh, poor Ryan didn't want to end us on a bad note. And unfortunately, we only have 90 seconds available when you record voicemail and our feedback. So, uh, yes, I'd, I'm glad you enjoyed the episode overall. But uh, but at, at least you got to say uh, hi to us guys right at the end, right? So, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's an almost positive note. Uh, but yes, only 90 seconds available over on the, over the website for feedback uh, on voicemail. Yes, thank you so much, Ryan. And uh, I'm assuming the bee's knees was a reference to Hive. Uh, because we were talking about that so much. Um, no. and yeah, no, Kat Dennings. I don't, don't understand it. Love her. Great, great character. Really good. Yeah. Um, it's all good. This but is thank our you for the 550th episode of, uh, of the TV podcast industries podcast, guys. I forgot to mention that earlier on. The reason I mentioned it now is because. 
<laughs> I've probably said about a hundred times of that. If you want to find something negative about anything, just go to the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Who the heck is saying negative things about Kat Dennings' version of Darcy? This is a character we've seen before, and she's brilliant. She's hilarious. Yeah. She's really funny. Why? Why would you have anything negative to say about uh, about Kat Dennings? So, if you want to find something negative about ice cream, search ice cream on Twitter or Instagram or Reddit. I'm sure you can find loads of people saying how awful ice cream is, and every, nobody should eat it in the world um yes you'll find negativity out there don't worry about it ryan we still love her yes and puppies everyone hates puppies on the internet apparently Apparently. puppies people with allergies to puppies hate puppies yeah oh yeah it's true yeah (laughs) no i was going for a character that comes up with meow meow can't go wrong you look but thank you so much ryan Oh, one thing actually Ryan mentioned just at the start, uh, he, he referenced, you know, seeing the moment at the start of the episode when uh, Monica's coming back from uh, from the snapping, and that's connected to the Avengers unsnapping with Bruce Banner doing the snap. Um, someone has put those side by side on the internet, and it's so cool seeing that moment yes. from Endgame with yes. the unsnapping and this moment from WandaVision and seeing how they actually play out time-wise uh, across the world. It's very cool as well. Yeah, no, it was fantastic. I remember back when people put the snapping. Um, the original snap, uh, and they timed that to all the other aspects of mm-hmm. like when you saw like Peter and like uh, Nick Fury and everything. Mm-hmm. So this is just the reverse. Again, the internet is the best place in the world and the worst place in the world. Oh, when- it is literally Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> when there are when there are creative people out there, we all love them. Yes. Thanks so much for the voicemail, Ryan. Really good to hear from you again. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yes, first up now uh, on for episode five feedback, we have an email from Jerry who said, Hey guys, Jerry from Niceville again. So now we know Vision's body has been with Sword the whole five years. Wanda stole the body. She's reanimating his body. This is dark stuff. She did not start this. Who is helping her and or who is manipulating her? I believe the couple in the commercial are Wanda's parents who are selling Wanda's trauma to us. You guys are the best, Jerry. No, Jerry, you're the best. So thank you for the email. Um, yeah. The five years, I'm not sure, but maybe. It could be the whole five years, but I definitely, it, it's definitely with them now, I think. Um, but yeah, she stole and reanimating it is, is, it's literally reanimator film. It's, it's dark stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, I love the, the ideas of the commercials. We, we, we touched on that about them being Wanda's parents, but I love your additional side of it, you know, the selling of Wanda's trauma tours from the the Stark missile through to her involvement in Hydra, um, all the way through to what we see uh, with Lagos and her uh, involvement there. So really good. Thanks so much, Jerry. Uh, We also got an email in from Will Walton. He says, hi guys, another great episode in a so far great season. I did have a couple of questions, thoughts though. If we believe Wanda when she says she isn't in control of what's happening, does that explain why Quicksilver doesn't look like Aaron Taylor Johnson? Did they always want to bring in Evan Peters or were they originally going to bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson but were unable to? Elizabeth Olsen teased this week that there's going to be a cameo this season on the level of The Mandalorian. Is this what she was referring to, or is there a bigger cameo to come? Doctor Strange or Baron Mordo, maybe? 
Also, a YouTube channel I follow made an interesting theory relating to the adverts, which continues to make sense given the most recent advert. The theory is that the adverts represent important moments in Wanda's life. Interested mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts regards Will. Yeah, thanks so much, Will. I think, um, yeah, it seems like the adverts um, are representations of Wanda's life for sure. And I, I yeah. think that's really kind of a nice catch. Um, and certainly uh, if it's got their parents yeah. in there as well. So that's really, really good. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to know. I didn't catch Elizabeth Olsen's tease about the cameo, but whether she was referring to Evan Peters or there would be another bigger cameo uh, to come. I guess anything's possible here because um, I suspect most of these actors involved in the MCU are locked into any particular area that they're relevant for in terms of building this world further yeah, yeah. out in this new phase. So um, it, it could be anyone. Um, or it could just be Evan Peters. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally expecting Benedict Cumberbatch uh, by the end of the series. Now. Yeah, I'm me too. a moment with Doctor Strange appearing in the show. Yeah. Or it could be Aaron Taylor-Johnson. Maybe we'll have two Quicksilvers arrive into this series. Yeah. I doubt it, but that would be yeah. interesting. But that's the thing. This is the fun part. It could be anything. And it that could is be the nothing. multiverse. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, next email came in from Victor Salus. It says, Greetings, Derek, John, Chris. Wow, what a curveball of an episode. Agnes is a willing participant. Norm, not so much. Did we see the theft of Vision's body as the deleted scene from Avengers Endgame? My favorite quote from Jimmy regarding the twins is, At this rate, there'll be empty nesters by dinner time. Which Pietro shows up, the Avengers version or X-Men version? In the X-Men comics, Wanda and Pietro are suspected to be the children of Magneto. The Lagos reference is ominous. Wanda frightens me more with each and every episode. As always, looking forward to your podcast, Excelsior Victor Von Doom Sellers. See, now you've just had your appearance of Dr. Von Doom. John Dr. Know, Doom. <laughs> thanks, Victor. Yeah, thanks so much, uh, Victor, for that. Um, yeah, that, that was a great little quote from Jimmy as well. Uh, I also liked his Holy Christmas as well. It was, you know, just one word short of Sweet Christmas okay. uh, from Luke Cage. So I, I, I liked that. Whether it was a reference or not, I have no idea. But yeah. uh, it was it was a neat little thing uh, for sure. Yeah. I think this is different from the deleted scene uh, referenced from, from Endgame. Um, I actually think that Paul Bettany is probably kicking himself that he revealed that there was the deleted scene in there because this is supposed to be a big surprise. He mentioned it in an interview uh, before the season started, and suddenly we get to episode five, and this scene is actually in the show. I think he didn't realize that's what would happen. I believe they cut that because they didn't want to have a post-credit scene in Endgame because they wanted to let the movie sit uh, as the end of the twenty-two movie series. It wasn't really that uh, that they didn't want to reveal it at the time or anything like that. It's just they went actually this movie would work much better as the bookend to the series if we didn't do a post-credit uh, in it. But I do think this is differently shot. Um, from my understanding, I think there are screen grabs of that out there of the original scene they look very similar it's not massively different but i think this was specifically filmed for the show yeah uh the only one of the major bits is that vision's body is in pieces um that is the the different it it is one of the key differences but yeah i get the feeling that the as you said it was kept because they didn't want that thing Mm -hmm. it was potentially going to be then bundled as a blu-ray as a deleted scene as special features bit and then they decided not to Everyone was like, ooh, <laughs> and then Paul Bettany kind of let it slip. Oops. Um, 
I'd say exactly that. I'd say he's kicking himself because they probably decided, oh, no, no, we're, we're going to have this show. Let's let's hold off on that because it does potentially spoil something that will be amazing. Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of multiple factors all led to this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think in terms of which Pietro shows up, it was dreadful 80s sitcom Pietro that showed up, <laughs> yeah. uh, to be honest. I can't wait for... Uh, him to kind of do his normal Evan Peters stuff, mm-hmm. um, I guess. Um, but thanks so much, Victor Von Doom. Uh, that was a uh, very, uh, good feedback. Thanks so much. On to Facebook feedback now. First up, Tony Hooper. He says, Hey guys, I really enjoy your show. My son and I noticed something on episode four at minute mark 17 minutes. 11 seconds. The scene ends with Darcy saying, Oh, the shot shows what you would think is her desk but it looks completely different and the person is writing something down please check it out hoping i'm right thanks yeah thanks tony um i when we went back and looked at this it, it, it looked like it was trying to reference that um the end of episode one mm-hmm. where we see the person behind the desk uh with their notebook and they're actually just highlighting that this was uh darcy yeah uh, but i know it, it's quite jarring because i i I remember at the time going, this felt out of sync, um, yeah. but just assumed that it was showing it. Whether it's more, I don't know, maybe. But I think at the moment, it for me, it would still definitely be that it's just referencing that it was Darcy watching the sitcom yeah. at the end of episode one. But it is a bit jarring, and it does take you out of that moment because it feels like it was shot slightly differently than the scene you've just come from mm. uh, and that and almost with a different color palette actually yeah. so it 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 is a little jarring it's like as if they got to the end of the series and they said is everybody going to understand that it's darcy sitting there at her desk taking notes watching the show let's just use the scene again from the end of episode one put it in there and go right this is definitely the scene everybody right this is definitely darcy sitting at her desk but yeah totally understand the confusion teddy yeah and still no beekeeper either um so he's never coming back no, so. he's dead he's gone um, he didn't he, ha- he didn't have his clothes changed into a kevlar outfit which is what protected monica <laughs> i think so maybe he's just disintegrated uh in, in that possibly <laughs> um thanks so much tony for the feedback Absolutely. Trevor Green over on Facebook says, although it has been heavily speculated that Pietro would return in his X-Men form, and I knew who was at the door as soon as I saw Wanda's reaction, it was still a surprise that they would actually do it. It really does look like this will be the pathway to the multiverse. I just wish they had Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness ready to roll directly after this series. Me too. Definitely, Trevor. Definitely. Yeah, that's that's my one thing. I'm currently doing a rewatch of the MCU, and one part to me was like I got to Avengers, the original Avengers, last night, and I remembered how much I, I love the character of Natasha Romanoff, and I'm like, oh, I'm so so de- like not depressed, but like upset that it's still so far away. Uh-huh. The so Scarlet Witch three or four movie. Months. Yeah. Yeah. We also got some feedback from Jamari Reyes, who said, Either Evan Peters is Mephesto in disguise, the Fox Quicksilver mind-controlled, or both. Fox Quicksilver got the MC, got to the MCU and Mephisto took over. That's an interesting idea. See, Could be so both. many theories out there. That, that uh, idea of Mephisto being involved is so out there. Like Everybody seems to have that theory somewhere in their overall theories. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Thanks so much for that, Jamari. Let's see how it plays out. Yeah. 
We also additionally got some other feedback from Matthew Randall, who said, I really hoped it'd be Aaron Taylor Johnson. I prefer that version of the character. I've always enjoyed the X-Men more than the Avengers, so I'm keen for them all to get introduced. But the past couple of X-Men films haven't been the best, and it means I'm not as excited about bringing this cast over. I was hoping that they start afresh... We'll see what they end up doing, I guess. P.S. I love that Sarkovian accent comes back slightly once she's left the hex and is being herself. Mm. Also, did Quicksilver and Vision ever talk in Age of Ultron? I remember him being in the background when Vision is born, but can't picture them in a scene together other than that. Thank you for that feedback, Matthew. Uh, we did double check into this. Yes. Mm. There was it that, that that extended kind of birth, if you want to call it birth scene, but the more when they were in the tower at the top, and yep. they were like, where the, there's the hammer scene, and they were decided to go to Sokovia. Um, yeah, it's a, and it's 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 a definitely an extensive enough scene where they would have been communicating and talking probably. Mm. But there certainly wasn't any personal discussion between them. I think that's probably what you think, Matthew. Uh, I don't think there was any discussion between them about him being. Scarlet Witch's sister or any kind of introductions between the two of them or anything like that. Vision was being introduced to everybody and then he forms a big part of the battle at the end um, later on. So I don't think they had any major dialogue scenes together, let's say, uh, which might be the reason why Vision goes, who's that guy when uh, when yeah. uh, Evan Peters turns up at the door? Yeah. Or he might be going, hang on a second, you look completely different to the last guy that played that role. <laughs> uh, Claire Laffer simply says, baby Vision, love. One of my favorite hashtags from from yesterday after this episode was released was forget Baby Yoda. We now have Baby Vision. (laughs) Give him his own spinoff. Love it. Yeah, it'd be amazing. Brandy Lee Sanderson says, right off, I caught that Agnes refers to herself as Auntie. I do believe in the comic books, Agatha was also called Auntie. On the subject of Dear Auntie A, where does she live? In episode one, she says she's the neighbor to the right, not your right, my right, which I chalked up to an Easter egg for on your left <laughs> from the movies. <laughs> but in episode three, we see that Herb is the neighbor on one division's left. And the next house over is the Jones. Agnes is clearly aware that they are on TV, but that fact doesn't seem to terrify her like it does the other th- townspeople. I believe this is because she's really Agatha from the comic books. And this is all her doing, regardless of what the show is trying to tell us at this point. Finally, I was watching YouTube reaction the other day and caught something, another theory that I missed on my first viewing. After rewatching this scene with the MRI and blood work being wrong, I started to think the MCU might be introducing Monica's powers through the events in one division, specifically when Wanda threw Monica out in episode three. What if it's the combination of Wanda's powers and the radiation Darcy keeps mentioning that create MCU's Captain Photon, especially since the radiation is from the Big Bang, which also created the Infinity Stones, and Wanda's powers are directly from an Infinity Stone as well. Also, I think that aerospace engineer could be Reed Richards and could be the tie-in to Fantastic Four. Thanks, Brandy. That's some really good theorizing there. I know we talked about a bunch of those uh, as we went through uh, the episode as well. Uh, that aerospace engineer could absolutely be Reed Richards or one of the other seven or eight uh, engineers in, <laughs> in the Marvel or MCU or one of the thousands of engineers that work for S.W.O.R.D. But yeah, that, that line where she says, uh, I, I know someone that would be very excited to help in this seems like she's setting up some character, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, and I, I, I'm right there with you on this, the creation of Captain Photon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, uh, Brandy. Uh, Sandy Resendez uh, says, that whole interaction with Agnes in the beginning with the babies was so odd. So I just read something, not my own thought, but makes so much sense. 
Agnes was there when the babies first aged up, and then was there again when they aged to ten. Did she plant the dog in the first place? Mm. Then, did she kill the dog in the hopes they would age up again? But this time Wanda stopped them. Is she preparing these kids for Mephisto? Wow, this is really, really good. Because, yeah, I mean, that is a kind of odd scene where all of a sudden you have Agnes being quite um, comfortable with all this strangeness happening in, in the one division household um, where the, the kids age up. Like it, it, it becomes a bit more um, sort of odd and strange seeing this. And so, you know, what is, what's this about ultimately? Cause it, it, it is exciting for the future episodes to see what Agnes in the same way as Brandy, you know, is she going to be Agatha? Um, this is all really, really interesting. And even just that Wanda wants to be themselves, certainly around Agnes, um, more with the dog collar, um, that right. she does. You know, she wants to kind of m- almost remove their secrecy that she wants got. to use her, or she's able um, to use her magic or thinks she can use yeah. her magic around Agnes. And she yeah. feels comfortable about doing that around Agnes initially because mm-hmm. maybe the neighborly thing or, or something else. But um, I love the reference yeah. in the episode where Vision says she turns up with exactly the right thing <laughs> yeah. we need exactly at the right time. Like he makes that reference. So there is that idea that Agnes is watching on at all times. So maybe that's the reason why Wanda has no problem uh, using her magic because even if she even if she isn't right in the room, she's probably watching for, from her house, you know. So, yeah. uh, so maybe that's it. But I don't get that she's that comfortable with a lot of the elements we talked about it earlier on. I don't get that Agnes is that comfortable with Wanda very often. No. I think that moment when she has the the dog wrapped up in in the sheet before the kids find it. I think. Well, I, I feel she's playing that as oh god when this happens when the kids find out their dog is dead, what's going to happen to me is what it seemed to come across. Like she seems scared of what the outcome would be. I took it more as she was more scared of what Wanda would happen where another thing she loved died. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That was the more I thought that would go. Yes. Thank you so much for that feedback, Sandy. Next up, we have some feedback from Alan Thomas. Where did that email come from? And why is Norm totally mind controlled, but Agnes acts like an actor working with a director? Is that really consistent with the way that she acted when talking to Vision in the previous episode? And where are the kids? Are the feds concerned about this? They talk about a whole town being held hostage, but that would presumably include the children too. What would have happened if the feds with guns and laser sights had just opened fire on Wanda right there when she came out? Her maneuver there seemed risky, or is she fast enough to deflect the bullets? I don't think she's fast enough to deflect them. I think she's fast enough to probably catch them at this point, uh, or she's powered enough to probably kind of do a bit of a, a kind of matrix moment where you would have just seen her, no, and all the bullets just stop in the air mm-hmm. and fall down. I think yeah. that's... But I think this, or like a shield or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think to your point, where are the kids? I think it's for the children. Is um, potentially has something there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just don't know. It, it could be, uh, you know, we have Vision talking about, you know, as he goes past the the play park, uh, no children there. Where are all the children? 
Um, but it is seemingly for the children. So, uh, yeah, this is, um, this is a little mystery within the mystery, I guess, uh, for me. And whether it amounts to much, I, I, I don't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that email probably like the radio came from sword, but yeah, it, it's just not a little clear because you have then the drone piece, yeah. uh, which is much more connected to what Darcy Wu uh, and Rambo have been, um, discussing uh, as, as they've been trying to piece things together. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Alan, for the comment. Uh, Steve Lennartson says, I did a quick skim through the comments, so I don't think anyone has said this yet, but sorry if I missed it. Who do we think the aerospace engineer is that Monica was messaging? I caught in the Spanish subs that they used the feminine version of engineer, <laughs> engineer, as opposed to engineero. So if they are correct, it's got to be a female character. A friend who is way more knowledgeable about the comics and the recent MCU casting hypothesized maybe Riri Williams if they changed up her area of expertise just slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that data mining is leading loads of these theories <laughs> over time. That's great, Stevie. Um, yeah, I think it's entirely possible that it's Riri Williams. Uh, she has her own show coming out. Um, Ironheart, uh, coming to, uh, Disney Plus in a couple of years time, uh, potentially when everything gets back to filming. So it's entirely possible this is a setup for other characters in the universe. That's a really cool catch. Thanks, Stevie. I, I also just love that it's, it's a lot of leaks, as you said, the data mining, but a lot of leaks is just coming through subtitles. Yeah, just exactly. by accident. It's just like, oh, God damn it. Like at some point, they're just going to put like no subtitles for a while. They're just going to pull it. It'll be no foreign foreign language subtitles because that yes. seems to be where the major issue is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. They, 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 well, that's it. There will be a huge online um, campaign against uh, end credits <laughs> and subtitles because yeah. they're spoilers. Um, whereas, whereas over here, obviously in English, we wouldn't have tell we wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the the uh, the masculine or feminine version of uh, of engineer. So <laughs> so entirely possible that it is just a, a translation error as well. Yeah, thanks uh, so much, Stevie. Thanks so much, Stevie. Uh, Jeff Charles says Wanda says she can't bring back the dead. She doesn't resurrect her Pietro, but perhaps she just pulls one for a different multiverse. Is this not her vision, but a different one from another multiverse? Vision obviously has some agency. He is questioning his own existence and what's happening in Westview. I think his theory may be correct that Wanda became aware of what's happening and is now controlling it. So did she start it subconsciously or did somebody else? Agnes is different from the others in the 10. She was correct that you can't control kids. How much control can they exercise in Westview? Wanda's confrontation outside the hex was chilling, and some of her accent was back. I don't like the director. I don't trust him. Nods this episode to Family Ties and Full House. Nice catches there, Jeff. I know we talked about a few of those. Uh, a few of those there, and Chris, you had some of those in your theory as well. Yeah. No, 100%. And I, I know when you talk about the director, you're talking about the director of Sword and not Max Shackman, because I really do trust him, and I really do like <laughs> He's him. He's a good director. Yes. He's yes, a good exactly. director. Yes, no, and in terms of this director of Sword, uh, the acting director, interim director, I do think th- this will maybe the boot so that Monica could potentially take over her mother's position as the director of Sword, um, because he seems a bit too... Gun happy, uh, superheroes are bad people, blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah definitely. Certainly, uh, certainly leans into that, doesn't he? Yeah. Thanks so much, Jeff, for that. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, Dr. Bob Phillips adds, 
Finally, a TV show excluding Scandi Noir where characters remember to get their big coats on before going outside in the rain and the cold. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Did you guys notice this? So as the, as the warning uh, si- signal is going off, you see Darcy and I think Jimmy as well grab their coats and stick them on to go outside. And it's something that people always forget in TV shows when, when they're running out of an office, you know. Uh, I think it actually is part of the, of the, uh, the fire escape thing when fire alarms go off you're told in offices don't take any of your personal belongings yeah but, but everyone always does. take your yeah, coat exactly <laughs> and your like, wallet <laughs> exactly it's like ah yeah so so nice reference to uh, to real life in there thanks for that Dr. Bob good to hear from you uh, finally we have our voicemail from Steve Brown hey guys it's Steve and uh I just watched WandaVision or watched it only once, but uh, I had to send some thoughts in to another podcast, actually, uh, because I won't be on Panels to Pixels this week. Mark will be uh, with a guest. But um, I love this episode. It was really great. I love that we get both inside and outside the the uh, barrier. I love, uh, gosh, when Wanda walks out, did it seem like her accent came back a little bit? I know you guys have talked about the fact that she had an accent in some of the earlier movies and then she kind of dropped it later but it almost sounded like when she came outside the barrier that there was a little bit of that Sokovian accent uh there and I just love the way she manipulated those those soldiers and had them pointing their guns at Hayward uh, man just really really good and and definitely you guys uh, I think it was you guys maybe somebody said or I read it somewhere that there's something deeper with Hayward. There's some more nefarious thing going on with him. And obviously that, that may be true with the way he, um, didn't tell Monica about the weapons on the drone. And, uh, now we have confirmation and I'll admit I was wrong. I guess, I guess Wanda is the one who's manipulating and editing the broadcast. Okay. Uh, can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one. Talk to you later. Thanks so much, Steve Brown, uh, for your feedback. Yes, I uh, loved the guns uh, pointed at Hayward as well. That was a really great scene. It looked really iconic, and the eyes going red uh, of the soldiers as they point the guns. Mm-hmm. Um, you reference Innie and Outie. I've mentioned previously we've had the Flasher episode, where is that? there is the reveal all uh, uh-huh. from the last episode. And dare I say it now, we have the uh, belly button uh, episode with this Innie an outie uh, in regards to the force field and uh, yeah I think Wanda was definitely chilling just that menace um, that she does when she comes out of the uh, the energy field not like chilling relax and enjoying yeah. the time she was like chilling yeah scary okay yeah chilling <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. The, one of the moments that we didn't mention really in here is when she does see Monica you see her ball up that ball of energy going you're still here as if she's about to attack Monica as well that's a another scary moment along with all the other ones there thanks so much for your feedback Steve yes thank you so much Steve and yeah I think uh director Haywood is going to be the one of the bad guys and it's going to be he was secretly experimenting on vision taking his body apart and that's going to be he was a bad guy all along Maybe um, he's but, Mephisto. Oh my <laughs> okay, god! Look, everybody else could possibly be be the Mephisto, apparently. Yeah, yeah. or maybe he's Doctor Doom. Ooh. Maybe he's Doctor Doom. Yeah, or maybe he's the children. 
<laughs> oh, for the children. Oh, Guys, thank you so much for all the feedback. It's great to have you and great to have the voicemails too. Don't forget, if you want to send us a voicemail, you can just record yourself and go and email it to feedback at TV Podcast Industries. You can mm-hmm. just stand, write us a standard email at feedback at TV Podcast Industries.com. You can go over to our website, leave us 90 seconds of a voicemail on tvpodcastindustries.com and or if you want to go over to our page or group on Facebook and go to facebook.com slash tvpodcastindustries or facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries where you can we have spoiler posts and you can do everything there we're also on Twitter where you can interact with us at tvpodindustries and we post everything talk stuff there usually Derek is up in the wee hours while he edits away on his caffeine tweeting at the same time don't forget you can leave us a review on and we would really appreciate it on apple podcast so or if you can't do that we just want to kind of additionally coming up to valentine's day share the love by sharing the podcast we will mm. always appreciate that too and as i've already mentioned we need to keep our producer extraordinaire caffeinated as he edits away this expansive expansive episode because it's a long one we're gonna need you to head on over to patreon.com slash tv podcast industries where just a dollar get some a coffee we always appreciate you i'll tell you what i need i need to work out how on a 40 minute episode we could do two hours of podcast i know <laughs> i still don't get it no, uh, how are we doing it guys <laughs> we hope you've been enjoying all of our thoughts about wandavision we know we've loved been hearing all of your feedback uh, as chris mentioned please keep sending it into us i'm loving reading it even the pieces that we don't include uh, in the podcast uh, loving reading those as well we'll be back next week with wandavision episode six which will air on friday the 12th of february just in time for valentine's day Ooh. Thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you next time. Bye. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow defenders. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Sit, Sparky. Sit. Good dog. Speak. Nice, Sparky. <laughs>